This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. We have uh, made it uh, all the way through to Psalm 108. Not long. I have hopes and dreams and and beliefs that we're probably likely going to make it through the book of Psalms this year. Excited to do. I know I know we've got many things going on this week. I hope you you're having a productive week, if not a busy week. And we're going to do Psalm 108. It is a Psalm of David. In all actuality, we get a little bit of a reprieve in length. And Thursday, we're gonna have a very short psalm. We get a little reprieve in length, and we're going to go through Psalm 108. It is a little bit of it's a lot of of David remembering what God has done in his life and seeing God as his source of victory and strength and seeing God in his roles that he has, well, in in the way he's presented himself, in his names and in his character and in his nature. Sometimes that's that's very important to be able to do that, is to see God uh, as he is. And as we go through scripture, what you do is you pick up the ideas or the ways God presents himself in Scripture. You pick that up, you uh, grab hold of that, and then you begin to trust God to be that for you. So if the first place we always go with God is he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And usually that's where you meet God as, as a Redeemer, as one who is giving you hope and life. And so when you meet God that way, then you know Jesus says the Lamb of God. Jesus says as your Savior and your Lord. And that's that's the first step. That's that's the start of where you're of where you're at. And then as you go through scripture, you might see Jesus as as your provider. Take for instance, even the sermon this Sunday where he fed the uh, five thousand with the loaves and fed. you see him as your provider, as, as the one who sustains you and, and keeps you alive. Then you might see him as your protector, or however you, however he presents himself as you're studying his word. Notice that if you're not studying his word, if you're not regularly considering God's word, then you miss out on seeing God in his roles, in in his character and nature, as it relates to you. And then you don't have the opportunity to expect things of him. And that's one of the words for faith. That's one of the ideas of faith is that we anxiously expect God to be who he is. And that is the definition of that idea of hope, faith, hope, trust, belief. And the way you explain what hope is scripturally as it relates to, as it relates to faith is, it's an anxious expectation. It's an anxious expectation of who God is. And so I I know he's this way. This is the situation I find myself in, and I'm going to see God. I'm anxiously expecting God to marry himself up with the situation I'm in and be who he is in my life. And uh, when you have that kind of hope, when you have that kind of anxious expectation, when you you actually have that, that idea of I'm going to be who uh, uh, I'm supposed to be. I'm going to trust God in the midst of this situation, and I'm going to see God 
be who he is in my situation. And, and I don't just hope as if maybe it'll happen. I have an expectation of God being who he says he is. And when you have an expectation of God being who he says he is, he always meets his expectations. He always does. That's who he is. That's, that's how he operates. He always meets his expectations. Well, it says here, oh God, my heart is steadfast. Notice he's saying, I am strong. Why? I'm steadfast. I'm, my heart, notice David's normally not. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed in these Psalms, we've been doing 103 of them, and he's not written all of them, but he's written, I'd say, a good solid 60%. And normally, David is not steadfast. So when we see David this way, this is obviously, we would want to start a morning or start a day. We would always want to do that with a positive, with seeing God in a powerful way. David has led us many times, many mornings starting a day, and oh, Lord, I, I'm sinking, I'm dying, I'm going down. And, and then he sees the situation and he talks about the situation. And then he remembers who God is and boom, God is that. And then he finally at the end gets a little motivation, a little strength, a little bit to him. And then all of a sudden he, he sees God as he actually is and his faith is renewed. And then we go out and those have been really good. Those have been really good, really a lot of fun to go through. But it's nice for David to start a psalm off with my heart is steadfast. That means I am strong today. I am feeling strong today. Let's see why he's feeling strong. He says, oh God, my heart is steadfast. He's, notice, you always sing a praise, whether you're feeling bad and low or feeling steadfast and strong, whether you're down and out down here or you're way up here, excited and powerful. What do you always do? You sing a psalm. You sing a, a song of praise. Why? Because God deserves to be praised no matter what the situation is, no matter what the hour brings, no matter what uh, you're dealing with, God deserves to, to, to be praised. And so he says, I will sing it and give praise even with my glory. Notice he's got glory. He's fired up. He knows who he is. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my glory and I'm going to give it to you, God. He says, awake the lute and the harp. And you know, I can't play the harp, and I don't know what a lute is, but I'm going to think the lute is some kind of wind instrument. It sounds like one. It sounds like a flute that doesn't have an F in front of it. So, in fact, pretty much that's what it is. A lute without an F is a, a flute without an F is a lute. He says, I will awaken the dawn. Notice he's fired up, and he's fired up before the sun comes up. Now, I think being fired up before the sun comes up is a good thing to be. Now. Do I, am I normally fired up before the sun comes up? This time of year, sometimes, yes. I, this time of year, I have to get up and the sun has not come up. And it, the farther we get into the winter time as we head toward December 25th, uh, the winter solstice and the day short and short and all the way to December 25th, as we head toward that, my days get shorter and you know how it is out there. I was thinking yesterday afternoon as I was getting in the car about four o'clock, leaving the courthouse how wonderful a day that was and how beautiful it was. The sun late in the afternoon when the sun's going to go down here in about an hour and a half or uh, two hours. I was thinking how wonderful it is. Sometimes you get up in the morning and it's dark at least uh, in your life. Sometimes you have to rise before the sun does. And, and David says, I'm getting up fired up. 
He says, I'm getting up fired up this morning. He says, uh, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. Notice he says, I'm not only just going to be fired up in myself, I'm going to be fired up about, about with them. He says, I will praise you, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praise to you among the nations. What he's saying is he's going to give God credit for what's going on in his life. You can't do that unless you're first looking for God in your life. Second of all, you can't do that until you know who God is and can identify God at work in your life. And then third of all, you won't really do it in any powerful way until you trust God, until you trust God and allow him to be mighty in your life. So you're never going to do it if you don't see him. You're never going to really understand what he's doing unless you unless you know him. But ultimately, once we know him, once we see him, then we trust him and he moves powerfully in our lives. And that's what David is saying has happened to him. He's seen God move. He trusts him and he is going to have him move powerfully in his life. He says, I'm going to talk about what you've done. I'm going to praise you among the nations for your mercy is great above the heavens. Notice. Mercy is us getting, not getting what we do deserve. And uh, mercy, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And God gives us a lot of grace, a lot of grace. But the thing that sustains us and really makes us who we are is his mercy because he does not give us what we do deserve. And he says, for your mercy is great above the heavens and your truth reaches to the clouds. And this is, uh, this is one of those verses which I think is an understanding of God that, that we need to have all the time when that song, I think it's a third day song, we can't say, your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. He's talking about his mercy reaches to the heavens also. And he says, your faithfulness like a mountain. So anyway, he says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Now, he says, I know you are, and I want you to be that for me. And that's a path of faith. I know you say you are this. I know you to be that. Now they be that for me. I'm asking you to be that for me. I'm believing for you to be that for me. He says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens and your glory above all the earth. He says, I want you, I want, I want you to glorify yourself through me. I want, you to, I want you to show yourself through me that your beloved may be delivered. Notice that we might be delivered from what? from destruction, from the hand of the enemy, from troubles and difficulties. He's saying, he's saying, I, I want to be, I want to be delivered. I want to be, I want to be carried. I want to be carried by you. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make it on my own. I want to make it because of you. He says, and your truth, he says that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand and hear me. Notice he says, I want your salvation and I want you to hear me. All right. Now he's there. He moves and he says, he said, now he's about to go into what God has already done. See, words of faith, belief, or trust in God, actions of faith bring about God's uh, deliverance, bring about God's salvation, bring about God's abundance, bring about God's joy. They bring about all these things. Now, when you experience those things, when you understand God to be who he is, when you see him that way, you trust him that way, he, he does those things, okay? When that happens in your life, when that goes on, you will see the hand of God at work. You'll see God uh, doing what he, what he cannot do. I hear people speak those things all the time. Our, other pa our executive pastor, Terry, he'll tell you that when he's 48 years old, that the doctors told him he wasn't going to make it very long because he's got this 
some kind of uh, it's some kind of weird disease Terry's got. I don't know. Y'all don't tell everybody. Anyway, he's got some kind of thing that makes his arteries real small, and so that's not good because that causes the blood not to flow as good as it should. Anyway, and that's caused Terry to have some surgeries and things like that. But he'll tell you that God, God, God has sustained him. Forty-eight, and now he's in his seventies, and he was told he wouldn't live very long. But that's really just God doing something great. That's wonderful. So see, and so when somebody says that to you, that you, that's one of those times where you hear somebody speaking faith about what God has done in their life. And uh, that's powerful. That's a wonderful thing to have happen. And that's something to be remembered. It's something to be remembered. It's something to be thought. It's something to have at the forefront of who you are and what and and seeing what God's doing. Why? You do that because you do that because as I remember God's faithfulness, as I remember God's power, as I remember God's plan and provision in my life, when I remember those things, then I can look back on them, reflect upon them, and trust God today for the new situation that I face, the new problem, the new issue that I'm going through. And so he says, God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. Notice, he says he's going through the things that he is going to do and the things that God has already done. He said, I will rejoice, meaning in the future, from now going forward, I am going to rejoice. He says, I will divide Shechem, and Shechem is a, a city that's on up in Israel, and it was not originally a part. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but David was anointed king of Israel three times, and that's important. That's important because that has to do with the anointing of God, okay? Uh, a lot of people say there's Three, there's two, two, one anointing, one baptism, and somebody says two anointings, two baptisms. Within. Actually, all like actuality, Jesus, David's a picture of the New Testament believer, and he's a picture of the king, the one who, who comes and, and, and makes things. And David was anointed king of Israel three times. Jesus had three baptisms. You go, well, I don't, what are you talking about? David was anointed king by Samuel before he ever was king. Then when Saul died, he was anointed king of the southern tribes, of the southern, really, really is anointed king of Judah and Benjamin. And then later on, he was anointed king of all the tribes of Israel. Jesus was, Jesus was baptized, what we call baptism, not really the same. His new, his birth is like our new birth. Him being born was a, a form of baptism. His baptism in the Jordan River is is when he was when he received his position as he was set out to do his ministry. And then he said another baptism he had to undergo, and that was a baptism of fire, and that was the cross. So God's anointing or his movement in David and Jesus's life was threefold. Okay, and David, when he's king over the Southern Kingdom is writing this song, and he is saying he's going to be king of the northern kingdom, even though he's not that king yet. And so he says, I'm going to get these things. He says, I am going, he says, I will divide Shechem, and I'll measure out the valley of Succoth, and that's even farther up, and it, it's not a really good place because it sucketh, and that was a joke. And it's the Valley of Succoth that's got a lot of good clay, a lot of good, a lot of good farming up there. It's actually on the other side of the Jordan in modern day northern Jordan, or or what we would call southern that that area of Syria that's really hotly contested. He says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna get these things. I'm gonna get these things. And the reason I'm gonna get these things is because God's promises have been true before." He says, "Gilead is mine." 
Manasseh is mine, and he start, he's going, he, best way to describe it is the Valley of Succoth and Gilead and Shechem are way up there, and they're not a part of his, they're not a part of his rule right now. But, but then he says, Gilead, which is right up underneath them, is mine. Manasseh is mine, and Manasseh is right underneath Gilead. Ephraim's mine. Ephraim's my helmet. And in fact, Ephraim was the tribe that was just north of Judah and Benjamin. He said, I got them too. He says, Ephraim's is my is also the helmet of my head, meaning it's just right above me. He says, Judah's my lawgiver, giver, which means Judah's my place of getting God's truth. It's right there. I'm Judah's my stronghold. He says, Moab is my washpot, and, and the Moabites were the Moabites were were the children of Abraham's uh, nephew Lot. He says they're my washpot, which means he has control of that, and that's not a really nice thing to say of them. And he says uh, he says Moab is my washpot, and Edom I will cast my shoe. And Edom's just a little bit southern south of that, and that the Edom the Edomites were the uh, descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. And he, so he says, I, I got control of that too. And over Philistia, the Philistines over here on the coast, which he didn't control either, he says, I'm going to triumph over them. Now, notice in this group of verses, David is explaining an important understanding. He was not king of everything that God had made him to be king of. He was king of some things. And if you want to think of it as an anointing, he was anointed king of all of Israel, and yet that's a, in a spiritual sense because he, he was a king of anything when he was first anointed by Samuel, when he was out keeping the sheep by his, keeping the sheep for Jesse, his father, and Samuel came to anoint him king. He's king of nothing when he was king then. But see, when God anoints you king, you're king, period. When God decides something for your life, he, he decides it permanently. And so the issue is whether or not you're going to trust him enough to receive it now. Or are you going to walk in it today? Or are you going to not walk in it today and maybe pick it up later? And he was not then, but then later on when Saul died and when he became anointed king of the southern kingdom, when that happened, when all that went on, he became king of certain areas. And he was king of those areas, and he mentioned those. He said, he says, I'm, I'm over Ephraim, over Judah. I got Moab. I've got the Edomites. Gilead's mine. That those areas in the north are not mine yet. Those areas on the coast that are owned by the Philistines, they're not mine yet, but they're going to be. They're going to be. Why? Because the promises of God are yes or no, are, are yes and amen. And he was anointed over king over all Israel, and he did end up controlling those things. He says, Who will bring me into the strong city? Meaning, God's given me this. I know he has this for me. I'm going to trust him for me. I'm going to trust him for these things. And and who is it going to, that's going to do this? Is it me? No. Who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And really, you can, that translate, the translation here is very murky because the Hebrew is very murky. Really, it should read, not, O God, not cast off, which means, what he means is that you're not going to cast me off. You've made this plan. And you've made this, you've made me for this purpose. And so when I get to where I'm supposed to be, you're not going to cast me off. When I'm going to walk in what you have desired, set about, and made for me. Yeah, I'm going to walk in it. And notice he's building himself up and strengthening himself. He says, is it not you? He says, oh God, you don't cast off. Oh God, 
uh, and then he says, and oh God, did not go out with my armies. What he says is, oh God, didn't you go out with my armies? Haven't I always won before? He says, give us help from trouble for help of a man is useless. Notice, I need you, oh God, to do what you're going to do. And I'm going to trust you in the midst of it. What a powerful thing to read and to see. He says, he says, you give us help, God, and I'm going to trust you in the midst of it. Through God, we will do valiantly. Notice, through God, we will do valiantly. Not we will do well. We will do well, and we will do well in it. People will see it. We're going to be valiant. We're going to be, we're going to be strong and courageous. We're going to be of good cheer. We're going to be excited about it. With God, all things are possible. With man, nothing's possible. With God, all things are possible. And that's what David says here. Through God, we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. Notice, it's God who brings the victory. And David explains that. He says, I'm, I'm, who's going to take me into the strong city? Am I going to take me into the strong city? No, I ain't going to take me into the strong city. God's going to take me into the strong city. He's not going to cast me off. He's the one that leads my armies. Uh, he's the one that gives me help in time of trouble. Uh, man cannot do these things. Only God can. And through God, I am going to be valiant. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be powerful. I'm going to be an overcomer and a conqueror. He says, and who shall tread down our enemies? For it is he who will tread down our enemies. So as you go through the word of God, and as you see that, as you see God, what he's already done in your life, and then you trust him for the next step, for the next phase, for the next days ahead. And trust me, God has an anointing for you, has a purpose for you, has a, has, has a, a place for you. And as we go through, as we go through uh, those things and as we experience those things and we expect those things, what I would say to you is today that you can be valiant in the, in the place God has for you in your life. And you can trust him. And I hope you will today. I hope that'll be uh, the case for you. And uh, I say this morning. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus name.